The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. Brian, let me kick it off by making my small little effort contributing to social cohesion and solidarity. Good morning, Brian. Good morning to you and good morning to our listeners. How are you, Brian? Yes, I'm in Cape Town. I'm sitting on the beach. We've got SAFM right on the beach with me, <laughs> uh, looking at the sea. I want you to know I've got a picture of you, and if you open your drawer on the left of you, you'll have a picture of me. <laughs> You're full of jokes, aren't you? I'm glad so, you're enjoying the sea view, though, from my Cape Town studios. Yeah, I'm, I, I can see four black walls. <laughs> ah, it's great to have you back. Thanks, Kathy. And uh, today, of course, is the last Tuesday of the month, so we're dealing just with some of the questions that we've been receiving throughout the month. It's actually been quite a busy month. I feel like we've done a lot this month, Brian. Kathy, it's not, not, we've done a lot, but there's been a lot happening in this month globally. If you look at the interest rates, if you look at what's happened in the USA, if you look at inflation rates, you look at UK, you, 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 in, you know, South Africa, interest rates going up last week by 0.75%. The war continues and who knows what's going on. And it's just a, every, I tell you something, every month is busy. I, when I was young, um, I went away for three weeks and I came back and I asked, what happened? Today, you can't get from your phone. You you know, people are instant, instant information. And I don't think people will ever, ever again have what I call time out, out away from everything and, and, and a switch off. But, uh, you know, there are two big things that are happening in South Africa. The one is, I don't know if you're aware, it is a question that I got, which I got a few times. Treasury concedes changes to its retirement reform plan. That's a big thing. And then I've got questions that people have asked me about Fondisa. And just to remind those, Fondisa was launched in 2007. It was for lower-income households. It was a fund to incentivize investors to prioritize savings for children's tertiary education. And I encourage people to do it simply because it was maximum up to 200 rand a month. You've got a 25% bonus. They're going to terminate, so I'd like to talk about that this morning. I've also had questions about the means test. How do you apply for a SASA pension fund? So over to you, Cathy. Okay, Brian, I think let's kick it off then with uh, Fundisa because that's really been a big one for our listeners and people actually also wanting to know what they should do with the payouts that they're going to be receiving and how they should be reinvesting those. Well, let, let's understand, when it was launched, the, the, the bonus, which was 25%, and I always encourage people not to put more than 200 rand, because it was a money market uh, account. It wasn't long-term. A uh, money market account is for short-term savings. It was, if you're investing for long-term for children, 10, 15 years, you want to be a bit more growth-orientated. However, up to 200 rand, there was a bonus paid of 25%, which means on a yearly basis, if you invested 2,400 rand, added to at the end of each year was 600 rand, which alone was a 25% return. If you're getting a 6% money market return, you were getting a 31% guaranteed return. However, the bonus was only payable to a tertiary institution, and it was forfeit if you withdrew the funds from any reason. Well, they've now announced that as at the end of September, they're stopping it. However, they are giving you options. The first option is 
They will pay you out if you do nothing. And I repeat, if you do nothing, you will be paid out in January. It will go directly into the bank account that you've used for the current debit order and you will get the bonus. So although the bonus originally was never going to be paid to the investor, always paid to the tertiary institution, it will now be paid to the investor. And my advice to investors is this is money you've saved for your children's education. It will be a bonus. It could be a very nice amount. Please don't spend it. Think about it. It's for your children's education. Easier said than done, and easier just to go and put it into other accounts or spend it. It was earmarked for education. You can put it back either it was a Ned Bank scheme, so you could put back into one of the Ned Bank funds, or you could put it back into any other fund, an Alan Gray fund, a coronation, investing, anchor, but save it for your children's education. It's important that that amount accumulated is used for university education. So the, the, fund, the debit orders will stop at the end of September, which is in the next few days, and then obviously you'll get the payment back into your bank account in January, speak to your financial advisor. A good a good place to put that money if is into a tax-free investment. You can put up to thirty-six thousand rand for your child. And again, if your children have got more years to to um, to go, maybe not only two or three years go towards education, but still five or ten years, then you need to be a little bit more growth orientated, and you need to talk to either an agent or a financial planner. And if you don't have one, all your banks have capable. Uh, registered financial planners who are well-schooled in advising you what to do. Mm -hmm. The only thing don't do is spend it. Uh, You know, Brian, a lot of our listeners also have been asking about what they should do with this money. And and I know you've touched on that a little bit, but uh, is there any further advice that you want to give? Because people, you know, I know you've told them, put it in a savings account, etc. But they're also thinking, are there alternatives to a Fundisa type um, is initiative and, and I think the last time you said that you're not aware of, of any. No, no, no Cathy. I, I, I break this down into two components. One is time. How much time before your children are going to need this money and time is a, is a, is a function of the type of investments you'll make. If you've got a three to four year time horizon, you can't afford to take risks because markets are volatile. Anything in growth has got some volatility, whether it be property or equities. And if you've got got a short-term time horizon, you haven't got time to iron out the ups and downs of the markets. I mean, if we have a look what's happening at the markets at the moment, and you'll read them out at half past 10, markets have been down for a long time. Uh, This fear of high interest rates, the fear of inflation, all the things that are happening globally. I mean, interest rates now, a bond rate, prime rate is 9.75%. So if you've got a three to four year time horizon, a government retail bond is not a bad idea. A two, three year government bond, you can get eight, eight and a half percent. Obviously, that's taxable, but depending on your, if it's in your child's name, I mean, you know, you can be very tax efficient. You don't need to take risk. But if you've got a seven to 10 year time horizon, then you want to be in a unit trust or a Satrix or something similar to that where you're going to you'll continue with your 200 rand or whatever you're paying together with the capital and you'll be looking for growth and you won't mind if in the short term markets are down and when I say short term markets can be down for 6 to 12 months and then take 12 to 24 months to recover that's why I'm saying rather get a 
fixed and secure interest as compared to growth. But anything longer than five, six, even seven years, you can go for growth orientation. You can go to a Satrix. I'll talk more about it in January and the money is due. But again, any other investment doesn't have to be an investment for saving. It can be any investment short term. Look for money market returns. You're getting good returns now. Uh, you can get in the money market six, six and a half percent. It doesn't beat inflation. But at the same time, you're not taking on any risk. And for short term, that's a secure type investment. Longer term, you have to beat inflation. If you pay tax on the interest, it's even worse because if you're getting 8% and you're paying 30% in tax on that 8%, you're only getting 5.6%. And inflation, we got our latest figures last week of 7.6%. So you're not beating inflation. That's why over a longer period of time, you need to take on some risk. It's for your child education. Uh, and so the longer the period, the more growth orientated you're going to be, the shorter the period, the more conservative you're going to be. All right, fantastic. Uh, Brian, let's move on then to this question of the means test. We know um, that we've got so many South Africans coming under pressure, and especially for those who are in retirement, whose investments and savings haven't been yielding as high returns as they have, as they would have expected over the last couple of years. Yeah, well, firstly, let's understand there are two tests for the means test. One is what assets do you have? And if you're a single person, and you have assets of less than 1.227 million. That does include your home. If you're a married couple, a married person, then it doubles up to 2.45 million. So, 1.2 if you're single, 2.4. That's the one test. The second test is how much do you earn if you're getting a pension. If you earn as a single person less than 86,000 rand a year, which is approximately 7,300 rand a month, or a married person of approximately 14,500 rand a month, you can apply to SASA for a pension. I think it's about 1,900, 1,900 rand. It's definitely worth doing it. Uh, but unfortunately, for those with more assets and earning more, you're not able to apply. Uh, there's the mean test. You will not get a SASA pension. Um, and then, as you're aware, again, uh, those two tests are important. You need to contact SASA and find out whether you qualify. But the two tests are 2.4 million in assets and earnings of 14,500, or as a single person, assets of 1.2 million, just over that, and earnings of about 7,300 rand a month. All right. Thanks for that, Brian. We are, of course, going to be getting to the questions that have come through for you. And I, I, I was expecting this one. Uh, Kathy, please ask Brian about the government pensions. It said we'll get a quarter of our pension money uh, in March next year. How true is that? I did see some press around it um, in the last week, Brian, this two-pot saving scheme that we've been talking about. Okay, well, 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 let me turn that into something more simple. Firstly, members of pension funds and provident funds were, ba were hoping and waiting to borrow on their withdrawal benefit. I repeat, whatever their withdrawal benefit is in the pension fund, you have two components. You have employer, you have employee's contribution. So your employee contribution is what is called the withdrawal benefit unless you've had many years of service. And to the shock and dismay of all members waiting to borrow, that was in the original bill, 
it says that the vested pot of savings accumulated before the date of implementation would not be accessible. And they assumed that the implementation would be 1st of March 2023. So you could only withdraw future monies after after the 1st of March. Nothing to do with monies you had in your fund. So if someone had 50,000 Rand in their fund at the 1st of March 2023, that they were not able to withdraw. But any contributions made after that, there was the two-pot system. The two-pot being one two-thirds of your contribution and the employer's contribution would go into the retirement pot and that pot would not be, you would not be able to withdraw from. And one-third of what you contributed would go into the savings pot. So let's assume you were contributing a 1,000 rand a month at the end of the year, starting the 1st of March 2023. At the end of February 2024, you would have saved 1,000 a month times 12 is 12,000. 800 would be in your retirement pot and 4,000 would be in that savings pot that you could draw. Well, members were dismayed because Sato took it up very strongly with uh, with the Treasury and said that's, that's not what members want. Members want to know that monies they've saved over the years that could be accessed and Treasury have now made concessions because of the trade unions and the retirement industry on this two-pot system. And they proposed a new system. And let me first make it clear. To be able to do that, the insurance companies and the pension funds have to be geared up to have this two-pot system. It's actually a three-pot system because you're going to have your past contributions, your new contributions going into two different pots, and the insurance company's rules have to now be in place to allow members to withdraw. And that's going to take insurance companies and pension funds at least another 18 months to implement. So I don't see this coming in before the 1st of March 2024, although the, uh, one of the parliamentary liaison officers said that he wanted to try and get it in by October. But there's right. so many rule changes, and the rule changes have to go through the pension department, the FSB, Brian, and all those things. I'm, yeah. I'm going to pause you there for a second. You'll absolutely have a chance to continue with this okay. conversation because I know it's so important uh, yeah. for many, many people. For now, it's 10.30. Let me go over to Anne Musa, who's standing by on the news desk. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation. We're talking finance with Brian Hirsch. I'm seeing a lot of your questions coming through. Uh, we'll continue getting to those. Brian, let's just uh, try and then conclude when it comes to this um, issue of people being able to borrow off their pensions. So now they've taken a, 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 a about turn and they've said members will be able to borrow from previous contributions made to the fund up to the date of implementation. They haven't yet finally defined exactly what percentage. They only got one concern because certain members may withdraw and other members may not withdraw and there may be some costs involved. And you can't expect members who have chosen not to withdraw to bear those costs. So they've got to work on that. They've also got to work out what happens on retrenchment and resignation because obviously if you've used up all your savings and you've used up UIF, you've got about you can't be told you can't take money out of your fund. So that they've got to be having a look at. And then the big shock in the last bill was that when you received the withdrawal benefit, you wouldn't pay on the withdrawal tables. You would pay 
as if you'd earn income and it would be added to your taxable income and taxable income could any be anything between 18 and 45 percent so these are all things that are, be, are, are being discussed at the moment and we should hear more uh, they also talked about provident fund members who are 55 years older because if you remember up to 2021 if you're a member of a provident fund you get all in cash but any contributions made after 2021 would form the same as a pension and therefore but people over 55 were protected so these are all things that we're going to be hearing about i will be dealing with it i will keep you updated all i'm saying is there's nothing you can do at the moment you have to wait for the the, the bill you need to wait for all the discussions but there has been an about turn and members will but only from probably first of march 2024 be able to borrow funds on the pension fund, other than which still exists, you can always borrow if it's for housing. If you can prove to your pension fund or your bank that you've got this for housing, your pension fund may advance you money or they may secure a loan from your bank equal to withdrawal benefit where they agree that if you would leave the company, they will then pay the bank the funds because they've advanced you funds against your uh, bond on your property. All right. Thanks for that, Brian. Let's get straight then into the voice note messages that have come through for you. Katie, how are you? All right. Uh, can you ask Brian uh, how to open a trading account? How do I go about opening a trade, uh, trading account? Okay. Cathy, can okay. I deal with that one? Yes, Ask yes, you can. Okay, how to, open, how, how to open up a trading account. Let me just explain again to listeners. Trading on the market is extremely dangerous. You've got to watch the market. You've got to watch currencies each and every moment of the day because currencies fluctuate, as you know. Yesterday, the currency was over 18. This morning, it's at 17.94. And also, buying and selling shares in a trading account is dangerous. However, to answer the question, you can go to one of the online trading. I know of Standard Bank and FNB. You can open up a trading account. You can deposit money, and then you can trade. But let me explain to you. Brokers don't get it right after 30, 40, 50 years of experience. Analysts and strategists battle. I mean, we look what's happening at the moment. Um, we, 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 we struggle. And so just be very careful when you're trading. Don't trade on margin. Margin means you borrow money to trade. If you're going to trade, just use your capital, which means you can only lose your capital. If you start trading on borrowed money, not only can you lose your capital, but you could lose who you borrowed from, and then you've got to pay it back. So trading is with, go to FNB or Standard Bank. There are lots of other trading platforms. If you go to Google and you just put trading platforms, it'll come up for you where you can go. And I think the important consideration is the knowledge you have, but more important is you just want to know if I'm using a platform, what am I paying for that platform? Am I, am I paying more for one bank or another bank or another financial institution? That's what you need to know. All right. Thanks for that. More voice notes. Hi, Cathy. Ask Brian at the rate of exchange and the price of crude oil. What does he think the petrol price will do next week? Mike, he's London. <laughs> I'm smiling. I mean, it's look, m- look into that genie okay. crystal ball. Okay, right. Okay, so let me say this to you. I think the petrol price, in terms of the oil price, should come down. I mean, we've seen the oil price come down from 125. I think this morning you announced it was around about 85 dollars a barrel. So it's definitely down a third, and we've had enormous increases. The one negative is the currency. 
because the currency has depreciated in the last month. The currency has gone from about 1720, 1730 to 1795. So that's going to be a factor. So now you've asked me to look in my crystal ball. Unfortunately, the only crystal ball I've got is on Kathy's desk. Kathy, you look in the crystal ball and see what it says. But I reckon, <laughs> okay, my best guess. And this is purely a guess because no one knows. I mean, the regulators know. I would say petrol will come down in the next few days. All right. Uh, should we hold you to that? No, no, <laughs> because the rand could weaken and the oil price could go up in the next few days. I, I knew that's what you'd say. Let me take uh, some of the messages. Uh, this one is uh, for you, Brian. Question: How would you define? Um, how would you define interest? I don't know interest in terms of interest rates, maybe. Yeah, I, 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 please, please, uh, the listener, it's 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 anonymous there. Please resend your question because uh, I don't fully um, understand what what you're saying. Somebody else says, "Good morning, Kathy. Can Brian please explain to me? I want to start investing on Satrix. Where can I start, and what should I do, and how? Please, he must explain it like he's explaining it." To a ten-year-old, I save a thousand rand every month from my salary, but I want to transfer it to Satrix uh, rather than Capitec. Okay, so let me say this: Capitec sounds to me as if you've got a money market savings account, and as I said, for a few years, it's not a bad, safe, secure investment. But that's if your kid's going to be using this money for education in the next three to t- three to four years. Then, because remember, if you're putting a thousand rand away a month. You're putting a th- for the next four years. You're putting a thousand rand this month, but in four years' time, you've only got one year to go in the fourth year because you're going to put it in monthly. But if you've got a lump sum now and you decide I want it to be, be more growth orientated, I've got a longer period. Again, six, seven, eight years. And I, I use the six, seven, eight years because where the markets are at the moment, I, I think there's more opportunity. We, you know, when the markets last year were that much higher, obviously we we still anticipated there would be some fall in the market, which we've had. We've had an enormous fall in the markets. So I, if I was investing for my grandchildren now and I was taking a lump sum out, which I am because I'm getting it from Vendisa, I will definitely be buying Satrix. Or I'll be buying, will I be buying an offshore fund? I'll be buying an, a, a Satrix fund, either the Satrix 40, which gives me a lot of offshore companies and mining companies, or the Satrix dividend fund, because companies that pay dividends and pay good dividends likely over the years will increase. Or I'll be looking for something a little bit more closer to maybe a resi fund. But again, you need to have a look at what the when you go onto the website and look at Satrix. You need to read every different Satrix. There are thirty or forty funds, and you need to see which one suits you. Do not go into the money market fund with Satrix. Rather stay with your banks. But when you're looking for growth, go to those Satrix growth funds. And you can even look at the offshore funds because they've got some offshore funds which will give you the benefit. But I think at this level, the Rand seventeen eighty four. Someone said to me, "Take out my crystal ball." What I think the RAND is is as weak as it's going to get. Big guess, I repeat, big guess, because there are only fools who, who can tell you about the RAND, either genius fools, and I sit in the fool's corner, got my dunce cap on. Would I take money out at the moment? I wouldn't take money out at the moment because I think the RAND is likely, when things start to settle down a little bit, the dollar weakens, I think the RAND will get stronger. But that's a best guess. Long term, it makes no difference. 
All right. Brian, thanks for that. Uh, we're going to continue then with the voice note questions um, and voice notes that have come through for you. Of course, I'll also take your calls. 086-000-2032. Uh, that's the number to dial to get in touch with Brian. 086-000-2032. And on the WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. Brian, one of our listeners, Donald in Rustenburg, says he is using Mukuru Access Bank and he went to the Labor Department to apply for um, UIF, but they said they don't, recogn- they don't recognize that bank. He's asking, what can he do? Well, I must tell Kathy, neither do I recognize the bank. That doesn't mean anything. I don't know every bank, but I mean, there's so many different bankings coming on stream. It may be a subsidiary of one of the largest banks, but if they don't recognize that bank, then ask them which banks they do recognize and then use those banks. I know that the bank I use uh, for payment of UIF is Standard Bank, and I don't have a problem with that, but I don't know that bank, and there are a lot of other banks that they may not recognize, Mm -hmm. particularly some of the newer banks that have come on board. Um, so that's all I can say to Donald. Kathy, I'd just like to make just, just, just one point that I think is very important. As a lot of people are asking me um, that if they retire, um, should they withdraw or they should they actually retire? So let me say this to you. If you withdraw from a fund the day on, before retirement, you can access all your funds, but your tax rates are very different. If you retire, you can only withdraw from a pension or retirement annuity one-third. And then the balance of two-thirds has to buy a pension. So I think it's a terrible idea to withdraw because the first 500000 on withdrawal on retirement, is, when you retire, is tax-free, whereas on withdrawal it's only 25000 and then you're going to pay t- taxes going up as much as 18 27 and 36%. So you need to think very carefully and do the calculations because when you withdraw um, and you're going to invest the funds, you might as well not withdraw and you might as well retire because you're going to get far better returns and you're going to pay less tax. And a lot of people always ask me, do I withdraw? Under a provident fund, you can you can retire and take all your fund and you'll get the 500000 tax-free. Uh, but under retirement funds, you can only take one-third. Brian, I've got a question here and it's asking... What are exclusions um, where life cover is concerned? What do they mean? Well, when you buy a life policy, there are a whole lot of exclusions. The most common exclusion is is suicide. And most companies, I don't know if it's changed, but most companies have a two-year exclusion, which means if you buy a life policy today and you take your own life within a two-year period, the insurance company will not pay. And the thinking is that if someone buys life insurance to actually commit suicide, they won't be able to last that long. That's the first thing. The other exclusions, if, you, if you're involved in an act of violence or you're an act in a, a criminal activity, um, if there's certain information that you haven't disclosed to insurance company on your health and they suddenly find out, I mean, let's say someone's got a tumor and they take out a life policy and three years later they die, the insurance company will, will find out a cause of death. They'll check with previous doctors and information, and they find out that you have there's been a non-disclosure. They can repudiate the claim. 
um, if you die in a motor car accident and you've caused all the harm from that accident, you've been ri- driving recklessly, not that they, not very difficult to prove, but that would be an exclusion. And there's a whole lot of other exclusions. I just can't remember all these, but those are the main ones. Uh, dying, you know, through a, an act of violence, a criminal act, and suicide. All right. Thanks for that, uh, Brian. Oh, and one other thing I think yes. is also important. If you tell an insurance company that you don't smoke, you know, today one thing about the insurance companies, you can tell them you eat, you eat safe, you eat healthily, you go to gym, you don't get many discounts. But you tell them you don't smoke, you can get up to 40% discount. If they then find out that that was not true or you started smoking, then they will reduce the life cover to the rates they would have charged you as a smoker. It's not that they wouldn't give you the cover, they just would charge you a lot higher rates. So people who have given up smoking and bought policies when they were smoking go back to your insurance company. And I think if you've been um, smoke-free for a year, you can get big discounts on your policy. And if you uh, took out a policy when you weren't a smoker and you're now smoking, you need to check with your company Do you need to divulge that information or they will reduce your life cover on death. And that's not what you want when you think you protected your family and all of a sudden your family only get 40% less than what they would have got in the event of death. All right. Thanks for that, Brian. Um, one question here. Does the bank investment rate increase every time the repo rate increases? Yes, it does. It does. It normally it normally increases on the first of the month. Although with all these increases, that they could have been implementing increases from date of announcement. You know, it was last week's announcement of 0.75. So at the moment, the repo rate is 6.25, and the prime rate is 9.75. Some people are getting below prime. Some people are paying above prime. And remember, those rates are still likely to go up. They've spoken about more increases in the United States and likely that we will get rates higher in South Africa unless we bring that inflation rate down enormously. I must tell you, I'm I'm one of those uh, commentators who think differently about inflation because I don't think people are spending. In America, there's a spending spree. People are earning more money than they've ever earned. They're out spending. Here in South Africa, it's pushed on us. It's pushed on food prices. It's pushed on petrol prices. It's pushed on health care. It's pushed on us. It's not as if people are just going out willy lily and spending money. They don't have money. So our inflation method and our, 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 the way inflation is pushed onto us rather than us creating, creating inflation is very different to what's going on in the USA. But you've had inflation in the UK and Europe and all those countries have also raised interest rates substantially. All right, let's take more of the WhatsApp voice notes that have been sent through for Brian. Good morning, Kathy. Please ask Mr. Brian to help me. With my company, I worked for 19 years until 1992. They say they can't find me on their system as I never worked for them. I need help if at all someone can help me. What step to do if the company says they can't see me on their records? I'm Charles from Soweto. Well, Cathy, this is a question we were going to have. We were going to have a discussion uh, with the FSB about these 81 billion rands of unclaimed benefits. And obviously, companies do have to keep records. FSB has records because if you've changed your fund, there's certain documents registered. 
So may I suggest we take this gentleman's phone number? Uh, oh, he was, he was a voice caller. Okay. Maybe he can call me. I'll give my number out. 011-880-4888. I hope you've got r- proof because I've done, been through this before. We are, we, the individual could not prove they were working for. I've had very, very um, uh, got hold of the right people at the company. I hope the company still exists or exists in some form. It may have been taken over. And let's see if we can't, if we can't, if I can't help. I'm not making any promises because there are a lot of hoops one has to go through, but I'll do my very best. So you've got my number, 011-880-4888, your full name, details, so that I'll know that this is the reference to this particular question. Uh, I'm back in Johannesburg later this week, and I'll look at it next week for you. I'm back with you, Kathy. Good morning to you, Kathy and Brian. Uh, we've gone down this road before uh, regarding uh, unclaimed uh, Pension and Provident Fund surplus uh, monies, uh, which are lying in reserve. Now, my argument is that uh, when members uh, uh, collectively invest in these funds, uh, they have a stake uh, in these funds. And if the uh, if uh, further uh, claimants cannot be found, uh, I would be inclined to think that uh, the balance of uh, these unclaimed monies uh, should be shared or, or, or distributed uh, amongst already uh, known and identified members. Uh, the money sitting in reserve uh, uh, idle uh, is uh, not doing any good uh, to the country, especially in terms of unemployment and uh, those companies uh, that are going uh, under liquidation. Uh, this money is, uh, sh- uh, can save jobs. Mm-hmm. So that is my view. Thanks, Frank Maritzberg. All right. Thanks for that, Frank. Brian? Yeah, look, firstly, Frank's absolutely right. Could this money be put to work? I mean, understand that the pension fund can't distribute money until they found all the members. They are, there are a whole lot of tracing agents. I think we're going to deal with this, Kathy. Let's deal with this in two weeks' time, Tuesday a week. Let's bring someone on from the FSB. Let's talk about unclaimed benefits. Understand two components. Under a defined contribution pension fund or provident fund, a member makes a contribution and an employer makes a contribution. When the member leaves, the, the, the company should have records, the pension fund should have records that that member's left and they should make an attempt to contact them. But people's numbers change, people's emails change, very difficult to get hold of them. So if you've worked for a company and you haven't received your pension benefit and you know that company is... To, uh, please speak to them. Now, we had that caller who said 19 years ago, that's 1992. He worked for nine, till 1992. Now, that alone is 30 years ago. So they're keeping records for 30 years. But let's come back to this unclaimed surplus. Unclaimed surpluses came because many companies in those years had what were called defined benefit funds. And a defined benefit fund only defined the employer contribution and the actuaries worked out how much the members, how much they had to contribute for the members. And many members did not contribute. And when the surplus apportionment uh, uh, um, bill came into force, the members, the fund had to go back and calculate for all those members the surplus. There were surpluses in the fund because they, they had never received their withdrawal benefits and those surpluses had to be distributed and, they, and a lot has been distributed over the years, but there's still a lot sitting there where they don't know how to find the members. Why they don't know to, how to find the members is simply because they've lost the addresses and they can't contact people and telephone. So I suggest that 
this whole unclaimed surplus story, Kathy, let's deal Tuesday two weeks. Let's deal with that and let's bring someone. I'll organize someone to come on from the FSB to talk about this, why we can't find and what are they doing and how can we do better to find members. But you can't distribute it to the other members. You just can't do that. And, and you uh, know, it, it, it's such an important conversation. I think a, a couple of weeks back we were speaking with Open Secrets, who's now, uh, you know, they've launched a campaign to actually try and help some of um, the people that have approached them who have been struggling to get these pensions. Yeah. And and that figure, I mean, is, it's it's in the billions of rand. Yes, 81 billion. But, but our, our caller said that can it be used? It, uh, why, what is, I don't know what's happened to it. If it's sitting there in the funds, what are they doing with it? It's just sitting there in an investment account, which obviously have they ring-fenced it? Could that money be used for other, for other projects without risk, obviously, mm-hmm. and that type of thing? So I, I think let's deal with it in... in in its in its totality, it's a very big story, and let's again uh, keep keep letting our listeners know that if you've ever worked for a pent company and you've had a pension fund and you've never made a contribution, then you you need to be able to get hold of. And I'm not sure exactly who we need to get hold of. We'll we'll bring that to you in two weeks' time. All right, uh, let me go to Polokwane Anonymous. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Anonymous. <laughs> How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. Please ask Brian, uh, there's two questions for me. Brian is on um, the line, he's listening, go for it. Okay. Firstly, um, I had money that I paid to a lawyer, and the lawyer uh, retired after he had not gave me notice that he intended to send me to send that money that I never received. When I phoned that to his office, the office was closed, meaning the practice was closed. That's the first question. The second question is uh, uh, an estate. It's money that I received from my father's uh, estate, which I don't remember receiving, and also that lawyer uh, retired in the when I traced him, they said he was in a retirement facility. So how do I trace this to money? Okay, okay, well, firstly, any money owed to you from an estate or money owed to you for anything would be kept in a lawyer's trust account. And if the mm. lawyer's retired, there has to be a handover to someone or we'll have to go to the legal counsel and find out how we go about tracing and, and finding these monies because you have to, obviously, you can't touch trust money. It's a criminal offense. We've had many attorneys actually jailed for touch, touching trust money, which is money that comes from the sale of a property or an estate. And any monies uh, that was kept in an estate would be in an estate account. It wouldn't be in a lawyer's account. So maybe we can find out uh, the more details about the estate and find out for you where is the bank account because a bank account would have been opened with a bank in the estate name of your late father. So again, I've given my number out. Please leave your details 011-880-4888. Leave all your details and again next week I'll make, make a call to you. Can I ask you a question? Where is this lawyer situated? Which part of South Africa? Uh, Kingdom of Africa. 
Okay. Well, it, it won't be too difficult because you, you can you can get details of the estate account from the master because you, the master approves the the lawyer being the executor of the estate. The estate account is open, and there must be some traceable records. Uh, how long ago did this happen? It's very long. Is there, is there other lawyer that is not too long, but the other one, uh, it's over 30 years. And, and, the new, and, and the did new someone take 30 years? <laughs> it's almost Okay. Well, you, okay. Look, I, I, I'll do my best. No promises, but I can certainly make a couple of calls. 11 Leave your details, all your numbers, and just leave a message what it's about so that when I pick it up, I know what we're talking about. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. All right. All right, Anonymous. Th- thanks for that. All the best. Yeah, 30 years is, is a long time. Sure. Yeah. And, and we're going to 30 years. The, the other gentleman who phoned about his pension fund was 1992. Yeah. But, you know, the estate accounts get open and monies get put into banks. And then banks hold those accounts until the state is wound up. So there could be a trace. And if he's talking about a lawyer in Peter Marisburg, large city, and we, we, may, we, may be able to get some, we may be able to go back and get some details. All right. It sounds ludicrous. Brian, okay. let me squeeze in one last question. Good morning, good morning, Oscar T. Good morning, Brian. Can Brian slow motion a little bit here? For a layman's sake, can you explain to me why my money that I'm contributing in my provident fund be like given to me in parts? When I want it all, why shouldn't I get it? And why is it that the government is detecting on how we should spend our pension fund? Why? Why, 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 why? Okay, quick answer. Firstly, you get a big tax. Everyone gets a big tax deduction for saving in retirement. And government then say, if we've given you this tax saving, we want to have some control that this money that you've saved and got the tax saving is there for retirement. However, it's a big question. Let me finish that question next week because you also asked me a question about provident funds, why, and there are changes. Anything up to 2021 that you contributed to a provident fund, that is vested and it's in your interest and you will get that in cash. It's only monies after 2021 and only if you were younger than 55. If you were over 55, there was no change. I'll deal with a little bit more detail next week. Kathy, uh, thanks very much for the program and I shall now go and have a surf. All right. I know that the minute you walk out of the, 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 those studios, you're going to have that beautiful view. So yeah. I feel nothing for you. Brian Hirsch out in Cape Town this morning. Thank you, Brian. Always a pleasure. Chat to you again next week. See you in the studios. Cheers, <laughs> Kathy. Cheers. All right. It's now 11 o'clock time for the latest news.